Before I start this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on. Welcome to episode 73 of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Chris Kirkbride. It's been a quiet week this week on the financial crime front. The bulk of this week's news comes from sanctions and bribery and corruption, of course. I'll also round up this week's cyber attack news. As usual, I've linked the main stories flagged in the podcast in the description. So let's start with sanctions. This week's sanctions news starts in Canada, which has announced sanctions against 18 Russian individuals and entities in response to human rights violations by opposition figures and those critical of Putin's regime. The link to that announcement is in the podcast description. To the UK now, where the Office of Financial Sanctions Implementation, or OFSI as it's known, has been active in its sanctions work this week first. It's amended the designated persons list as it relates to the Democratic People's Republic of Korea following a decision by the United Nations made on the 16th of August 2023. The individuals listed in the notice linked in the podcast description remain the subject of an asset freeze. Offsee has also announced the amendment to two licenses broadly to clarify an element of ambiguity which had possibly become apparent in the licenses. Links to both licences in the amended form are in the podcast description. The final news from Offsea this week is the announcement of a webinar on the work of Offsea. It will cover how financial sanctions can impact you and your business, how to make applications for licences, how licences are assessed, and how to access guidance and information on financial sanctions. While a preliminary date is set for October 2023 with a time of 3 p.m. or 1500 GMT. No precise date has been set, and that is also why there's presumably no link for sign-up. Still, I've put a link to the announcement in the podcast description. To the US now, where the Office of Foreign Assets Control, which has announced that Roman Semenov, one of three co-founders of the sanctioned virtual currency mixer Tornado Cash has been sanctioned for his role in providing support, material support, to Tornado Cash and to the Lazarus Group, a state-sponsored hacking group that is an instrumental that is an instrumentality. There you go. Of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. The link to that is in the podcast description. Sticking with the US only it's the State Department now, which has announced two sets of sanctions. First, it has announced it is to impose sanctions, quotes, on two entities and 11 individuals for their roles in the forcible transfer uh, transfer and deportation of Ukraine's children to camps promoting indoctrination in Russia and Russia-occupied Crimea, and who have imposed Russian indoctrination curriculums in those regions of Ukraine. Additionally, it's taking steps to impose visa restrictions on three Russia-installed officials for their involvement in human rights abuses of Ukrainian civilian minors in connection with forced deportation, transfer and confinement of Ukraine's children. It's also announced sanctions on six individuals who have contributed 
to the recent escalation of conflict in Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo. Links to both of those announcements can be found in the podcast description. Now away from sanctions to fraud news. We start this week's fraud news in the United States where COVID-19 fraud once more takes centre stage. Only this time it isn't wholly bad news. So the Department of Justice has announced the results of its nationwide enforcement action, which included 718 enforcement actions, including federal criminal charges against 371 defendants for offences relating to over $836 million. The press release continues, The Justice Department has now seized over $1.4 billion US dollars in COVID-19 relief funds that criminals had stolen and charged over 3,000 defendants with crimes in federal districts across the country. Link to the press release and the video announcement can be found in the podcast description. A small amount from the UK. First, three companies which provided logistics support to the Royal Mail have admitted making false declarations on weights, class and destinations of mail by manipulation of spreadsheets. The frauds believed to have cost the Royal Mail £70 million. The other pieces of news from the UK come in the form of a bit of light reading, uh, a blog post and a press release to be precise, and they can be found on UK Finance's website. First, a post on how payments may assist in fraud detection, I think for manufacturers and so on, um, payments uh, recipients. And secondly, the sentencing of two individuals by the dedicated card and payment crime unit, which is a banking industry sponsored police unit. Links to to those announcements can be found in the podcast description. Now to the little bit of money laundering news that there is this week. There is only a bit of it, but actually what there is is quite interesting. First, the International Monetary Fund has issued a country report on Côte d'Ivoire. While broadly a positive tone prevails, quotes, certain structural elements such as a prevalence of cash and magnitude of the informal sector to the country's economy, the cross-border nature of offences as well as corruption, continue to challenge the effectiveness of the anti-money laundering and countering the financing of terrorism regime. Link is in the podcast description. The other bit of news, again, is something worth reading, so I'm pointing you to Transparency International's website, and there is a good blog on there relating to the Court of Justice of the European Community and its ruling on the European Union's Beneficial Ownership Register, which I think happened late last year. Worth a read, and therefore linked in the podcast description. Now, bit on market abuse and then we'll move to bribery and corruption. I suppose it's not really financial crime this next story but it's close enough to warrant inclusion since there are parallels with market abuse regime and what would be expected of the Financial Conduct Authority in similar circumstances. But this time it's the energy regulator in the United Kingdom, Ofgem, which has announced a fine of £5.4 million on Morgan Stanley and Company for its failure to record and retain electronic trading records between January 2018 and March 2020. While Morgan Stanley had policies against the use of WhatsApp for communications when trading, Morgan Stanley, quote, did not take sufficient reasonable steps to ensure compliance with its own policies and the requirements of the regulations. 
In its response, Morgan Stanley quotes has taken steps to ensure the breaches do not happen again, including enhanced staff training and the strengthening of its internal systems and controls. Link to the Ofgem press release is in the podcast description. Now, a bit of bribery and corruption news this week. Quite interesting stuff, actually. The bribery and corruption news this week is all about oil for the most part. First, the National Crime Agency, the NCA, in the UK has announced bribery charges against a former Nigerian minister who had also served as president of the Organisation of Petroleum Exporting Companies, or OPEC. Uh, Diazani Alison Madweke is alleged to have accepted bribes during her time as Minister for Petroleum Resources in exchange for awarding multi-million pound oil and gas contracts. She's said to have benefited from at least £100,000 in cash, chauffeur-driven cars, flights on private jets, luxury holidays for her family and the use of multiple London properties. Her charges also detail financial rewards including furniture, renovation work and staff for the properties, payment of private school fees and gifts from high-end designer shops such as Cartier Jewellery and Louis Vuitton goods. Link to the NCA press releases in the podcast description. The second oil-related story comes from the United States, where a Houston oil trader is alleged to have conspired to violate the anti-bribery provisions of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act 1977 and for allegedly violating the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Also, the Travel Act and the money laundering statutes in connection with a scheme involving Mexican government officials. Link to the press release is in the podcast description. The final piece of bribery and corruption news comes as a dramatically underwhelming amendment to an earlier issued press release courtesy of the Serious Fraud Office. The upshot of the amendments to these press releases is that investigations into ENRC Limited and Rio Tinto Group for alleged bribery and corruption have been ended by the SFO. These were two separate investigations. The ENRC investigation has rumbled on for a decade, while the investigation into Rio Tinto Group has started or was started in 2017. So that's had a decent run of six years. Now, this may be one of the final acts, maybe may well be one of the final acts of Lisa Osofsky, who's at the moment still the director of the Serious Fraud Office, but she stands down on Monday, 28th of August. Link to both amended press releases can be found in the podcast description. Now we end this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast with the usual roundup of cyber attack news with a couple of newly announced cyber attacks. First, Australian energy and software provider Energy One has seen its systems impacted in Australia and the UK. The attack, which occurred on the 18th of August, but which has only just been announced, received a speedy response from the corporation and it is said to have informed the relevant authorities in both jurisdictions. Staying in the UK, there's been a cyber attack on a local authority in the north of England. St Helens Council, which is in the northwest, identified an attack on Monday the 21st of August and alerted its external cyber security organisation as it sought to manage the risks posed by the attacks. Now, interestingly, the council has gone to the trouble of urging local residents to have an elevated sense of awareness that they may now be subject to cyber attack as collateral damage from this event. To Asia now, where it's believed that North Korean hackers 
have targeted joint military exercises between the US and South Korea, which began on Monday of last week. The hack targeted South Korean contractors working in the South Korea-US Combined Exercise War Simulation Center. Sticking with the US, the State Department has offered $10 million US dollars for information relating to cyber attacks on NATO member state Montenegro, uh, which are also believed to be counter to US interests in the region. Now, a bit of legacy cyber attack news. The You may remember that we reported variously over a range of weeks the Latitude Financial Cyber Attack, the Australian Corporation Financial Services Provider. In that attack, the data of up to 14 million customers was compromised. Quite high profile. We certainly dealt with it. Well, we've got a bit more news on that, a bit of an update. It's announced that the cyber attack probably cost around $76 million, contributing to an overall loss of $98 million. In the UK... The National Cyber Security Centre, the NCSC, has added a new level to its Cyber Incident Response Scheme, its CIR. The scheme assists cyber attack victims to identify vetted providers of incident response services. The providers offering these services will have either Level 1 or Level 2 designation. This broadens the scheme to a wider range of organisations. The link to the CIR page of the NCSC website is in the podcast description. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. No episode next week as I'm taking my first break in almost a year and a half. That said, if you want to do so, you can still subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me again, all being well, the week after next with the usual roundup of all things financial crime. Have a great week and then another great week, everyone.